the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, for those of you who are listening and or watching or or doing both, welcome uh, to The Kingdom and Its Stories. And today we have the privilege of interviewing David Hinman, um, who I met yesterday on a pre-interview on the telephone and really excited to be able to have him share his testimony with us. And I just want to uh, remind our listeners and viewers that uh, we do these interviews with one principal focus, one principal reason, and that is not to give any glory or FaceTime to the person we're interviewing, but to allow their story to be an inspiration for us to creatively think and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, how can you more effectively use me to be Jesus' hands and feet? Not as a, uh, you know, not necessarily as a professional, but just in whatever it is that God has called me to do. How can people see Jesus in me and be attracted to him? because of the way I live. And so, David, thank you yeah. for being with us today. And I I often start by asking a question of, um, okay, if you were in an elevator taking a long 18-story <clears throat> rise, who would you tell us who you are? Who is David Hinman? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me on. It's a real honor to be here. Um, to really understand who I am, I think you have to go back to my childhood. And I was okay. raised in a Christian home, and both my parents work, and so they hired uh, uh, a widowed pastor's wife. Um, hmm. I think she was in her 70s, to be with my sister and myself, you know, before school and after school. And she just uh, was full of God. I don't know how else to describe it, but she just loved hmm. God so much. And I think the thing that she instilled within me was that I had a, a purpose, that God had an extraordinary purpose for my life and, wow. <laughs> and incredible impact. And then when I was in college, my parents called me one day and they said, her name was Mary. They said, Mary is dying of cancer and she only has like a day left to live. And so I drove back to Michigan and I got to spend time with her. And I remember the, the very first words that she said to me when I entered her room, she said, we've had a lot of good times, haven't we? And hmm. the last thing that she said to me, she said, Dave, seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. And his righteousness. And that is just, you know, stuck with me. And it's, it's really changed the whole trajectory of my life. 
Um, I've been a pastor in the Valley for about 25 years in Phoenix. Um, but the last four years, I've been with an organization called New Generations, and we are seeing gospel movements happen all over the world, where disciples are making disciples. It's like a chain reaction, and entire villages are coming to know the Lord. We've seen over 100,000 churches started in some of the, the most difficult um, to reach places in the, the world. And so I've witnessed this, and it almost gave me like holy jealousy because I was like, okay, we're seeing these extraordinary things happen, you know, and in all these places around the world. And I was like, well, what is it going to take for that to happen here? Uh, and we started yeah. an organization called Phoenix Underground, where we're basically training, equipping, coaching ordinary people to, you know, be the hands and feet of Jesus and to make disciples in places where they live, work, yeah, learn, yeah. and play. So wait, that's what wait, I do. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, David. You, you use the word underground. Yes. Now, I hear that term a lot, yeah. you know, with places like China or in Muslim countries. Uh, how can how does that relate to to North America, to America? Yeah. Well, I think in, in many ways we're giving honor to those places like you described, you know, where the church is, is underground. But I think what we're really trying to communicate is that a lot of um, work that is done for Christ happens through ordinary people. And it's, it's, it's maybe many times unnoticed. These, these mm. people are unnoticed, but they have a profound impact um, and God wants to use them. They have a purpose. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's the purpose that God gave you and he gave me and he gave everyone who follows Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that, that I have a number of young people that I'm mentoring. And as we pray together you know, in our weekly contacts, my prayer almost always includes, Father, mm. help guide this young person yeah. to the purpose for which you created them in their mother's womb. Mm. And um, and I, I think, you know, in our current generation, there are many young people who just feel lost yeah. because they have no purpose. Mm -hmm. But God gave each one of us a purpose. Yeah. Well, tell us, you know, discipleship is such yeah. an important um, uh, concept. Just define for, for us, for those who are listening— what comes to your mind when you hear the word or think of the concept of discipleship? Yeah, well, I mean, what comes to my mind is is becoming a, an apprentice of Jesus. Oh, and well, say it again. Becoming a, an apprentice of Jesus. And, Amen. you know, a lot of that is just loving him with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. But I think oftentimes we forget about the, the whole obedience part. You know, he says to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. And... That obedience flows out of a love relationship with him, you know, of course. But um, the obedience is God's love language. And I, I think also that there's a whole idea of reproduction. You know, we want to reproduce ourselves in other people. And uh, I, if I was going to, you know, boil it all down, I would say that the, the Christian life is really essentially about hearing God's voice and then having the courage to do whatever he calls you to do. And, and when you do that, you look like him. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's and, that's the, the hope and prayer. That's that's what we're moving towards. Right. So so how do you know when uh, how do you measure? You know, what are the metrics to to know whether or not somebody you're working with is a disciple? 
Well, I, I think um, there's probably many of those, but I mean, obviously, I think, you know, a love for God and a, a love for others um, is the key. And you know, I think of the, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, um, they, they kind of work synergistically together. They and do. You, you, you see, you know, loving God, loving your neighbor, but then you also you see the whole aspect of becoming like Christ, but then also helping other people, you know, follow Jesus. Right. Well, yes. Becoming like him. Yes, definitely. Means looking like him. Mm-hmm. Which means loving the Father. Yeah, and, and doing the, the things that he did. I think exactly. that's a big part of it, too. Right, yeah. Well, tell us some stories uh, uh, that illustrate, you know, what you've been called to do. Yeah, well, you know, one story that comes to mind is this couple um, by the name of Robert and Stacy that we invested in. Um, they came to us. They were very broken. They had been married, but they had separated. They have a, had a child. And Robert wanted to get back into the relationship with Stacy, And she was like, hey, you know, I'm never going to do this again, you know, have a, a marriage with you unless God is in the equation. And so we began to bring healing and, you know, just praying for them and discipling them. Robert came from a, a very difficult background where there's a lot of drugs. Um, he was in, in and out of prison several times. Um, his dad actually, you know, shot his mom in front of his brother and then turned the gun on himself, too. And so there was a lot of hurt and dysfunction. And we began to just see God heal them, transform them. And then finally we said, hey, okay, you're learning about the the benefit package of what it means to follow Jesus. We want to teach you how to, um, we want to teach you about the job description. And so we began to train them in disciple making. They began to love on their neighbors and just meet needs of their neighbors they invited them to do a discovery Bible study. Um, their neighbors began to come to faith, and, and then they called us one day, and they said, we've got a bunch of people that need to be baptized, you know. Uh, will you baptize them? And I said, well, these are people that you, you know, helped lead to Christ, and so you need to baptize them. And so they studied yes. about baptism and invited a bunch of people over to their house, and we, I think we baptized, you know, five or six people um, in their backyard pool. And, you know, the, the whole idea is, you know, a chain reaction of disciples that make disciples. And that's how we're going to, you know, reach our communities, uh, our neighborhoods. It's not going to be done through one person. And so what is what is he doing now to continue in the process of discipleship with those he baptized? Yeah, with just continuing to, to mentor, to, to coach. Um, a lot of it's, you know, hands on. It's I think a lot of it's caught and there's a relational aspect to it. Um, you know, I think of Jesus, it wasn't like a formal training. It was, it was you know, um, as he was going about the day, um, looking for opportunities to, to equip and train. So a lot of it is just relational and being with these people and then really encouraging them and coaching them as they begin to do the same with other people. Okay. I have a question for you. You know, you said um, this is relational. Now, yes. A lot of our discipleship programs, quote unquote, in our churches are programs. Yes. Yep. Um, you know, talk about that to us. You know, what, what's the difference and, you know, what should we be thinking about from your perspective of how to disciple people through relationships rather than through programs? Well, I think that the most important thing is that we have to capture God's heart for others. 
you know, if, if you don't capture God's heart, if that isn't the, the motivation, you know, the, the love of Jesus isn't flowing through you, then it, then it becomes a program. And it, it often has becomes a fad. It's something that you, you know, start out with and then it just kind of fizzles. But I think the first thing is capturing God's heart and then beginning to, to pray. And I think prayer, a lot of it is just listening and saying, God, where do you want to use me? You know, would you give me opportunities? And then also beginning to, to really pray for people that God has put in our paths. Um, I, I think um, one thing I've heard from, you know, these movement leaders, these catalysts in, in East Africa, they say, when, when we pray, you know, God works. When we don't pray, we work. And so, wow. so wow. much happens okay. just through prayer and intercession and then just obedience, you know. So you, you mentioned East Africa. Tell us about uh, the program, not program, yeah, but yeah. You know, the, the relationships that God is using there for discipleship. Well, I think a lot of it has just started with prayer, um, you know, starting a prayer movement. They say that, that you know, every movement of God starts with a, a prayer movement. And the organization I'm with, New Generation, we've raised up 100,000 intercessors. Um, and so it's, it starts with, with prayer, but it also comes with equipping people, um, not only on how to pray, but how to engage people, you know, in their social network in order to bring God's kingdom into those places. And, and then how to disciple people. Um, I think we we've, we've tend to think that the, the way we disciple other people is we just invite them to church. Um, or the way we inv- evangelize people is we invite them to church, and that's that's okay. that that can be helpful. But but I think God's calling all of us to be a part of that, and that's the exciting thing, and that's what we're seeing in in you know West Africa, India, um, these just movements of God that that look like the Book of Acts. I don't know how else to describe them, but it's it's through equipping ordinary people. Oh, okay. Um... Let me take a just a moment to do a station break here, David. Um, basically, we're uh, we're in an interview process in in the kingdom and its stories, and in this program, we interview people who are being Jesus' hands and feet, not just you know as a as a vocational ministry, but as a lifestyle. And uh, as they tell their stories, our hope is that. Those who are listening and watching will be able to, to to see, Lord, maybe you're calling me to more creatively be Jesus' hands and feet with the people that I just normally meet every day. And not, not as a special thing, but just mm-hmm. as a part of who I am. And so today uh, we have the privilege of interviewing David Henman who is a pastor and who's involved in a number of movements um, of, of encouraging people to do just that. Mm. So David, tell us more about, about, you know, you said a hundred thousand. Yeah. What, I mean, that's, that's a huge number. How, what does that mean? What does that look like? How did it happen? <laughs> I, I think the only way to describe it is it's a, it's a God thing, you know? Okay. Um, it, it really is. And, um, it's like, you know, I don't know, I, we grew up in our, our house back in Michigan. We had sailboats. And I think a lot of it is, is you know, raising the sail, you know, through prayer, through loving mm-hmm. people, 
through, you know, engaging them and planting the gospel, but it, it really is a, a God thing. It's the, the wind of God that, that moves things forward. So we need to catch the wind. <clears throat> need to catch the wind, but it, it happens by positioning ourselves to catch the wind. Okay. And I think there's a lot of prayer and fasting that goes into it. I mean, we have to prepare, you know, the ground in, in many ways because it is a spiritual warfare. I mean, we're taking ground from the enemy and there's there's a, a warfare that's going on in the spiritual realm. And and that has to be one first oftentimes if we're gonna see these movement of God, you know, these these things happen. Right. Tell us some more stories. <clears throat> yeah, well you of, know, exa- of examples yeah, of Yeah, well um one of them is just our, our neighborhood. Um we moved into our neighborhood about ten years ago and we began to ask the question, you know, what does it mean to, to love our neighbors? And, you know, what would happen if we began to take that literally, you know, not figuratively, but, but our neighbors that live next door and across the street from us. And we also began to ask the question, you know, what, what would need to happen in order for our neighborhood to look more like heaven? Mm. And we just looked for opportunities to, to bless our neighbors. I mean, there was times that we gave money to help neighbors that were in crisis. Uh, we began to have block parties. Um, we've learned that, that poverty... Um, has many different forms. And oftentimes, um, poverty can look different in different places. Like in our neighborhood, there's a lot of isolation. We have neighbors that don't know each other. Um, We notice that sometimes when you see a for sale sign going up in front of a house, that means that there's a divorce or a broken family. Mm. Um, So we began to love on our neighbors and began to see just transformation Happen. In fact, one of our neighbors, we were having a block party, and he, he looked at me almost with tears in his eyes, and he said, this, this neighborhood is beginning to remind me of the neighborhood I grew up when, when I was a, wow. you know. But a lot of that has happened through prayer, too. Um, and there's times, I have to be honest, I've gotten discouraged. I remember early on, we were, my wife and I were prayer walking our neighborhood, just praying that God would bless our neighbors and that he would draw them to himself. And I was telling my wife, I was like, this isn't working, you know. Um, I don't see God doing any tangible things. And I was just really kind of discouraged. And all of a sudden, this car pulled up beside us. It was at, at night. And, this, yeah. and he, this window rolled down, and it was my neighbor that lives across the street. And he said, hey, hey Dave, um, is there a time that we can get together and just talk about spiritual things? Well, you know, talk about God? And it was, I think my wife and I were just like, you know, astonished. But <laughs> I, I think we have to remember that, that God is— working. I mean, he's at work already, okay? And our job is to discover where he's working and then join him on mission. But we have seen God change and transform our neighborhood, you know, slowly over time, um, just through loving people and being a, a blessing you okay. know, to well, our neighbors. Okay. Uh, um, <clears throat> block parties. That's one yeah. example. Well, give us, okay, we all, all of us who are who are involved in this interview, listening or participating. We all live in neighborhoods. So, yeah, block party, understand. Okay. Yes. What are some other things? You know, I think, you know, one is just being open to praying for people. Um, okay. You know, oftentimes I've discovered it, you know, relationships start with a kind of a casual relationship, you know, conversation. Right. And, then, and then over time it can move to meaningful conversations where you're talking about the things that are most important to you. Right. But eventually, I think as we're, we're praying, it can move into spiritual conversations where you're, you're, you have opportunity to, to pray for people. Maybe they've, 
you know, had a mom or dad, you know, that uh, that have passed. Um, but just looking for opportunities to to pray for people, um, looking for opportunities to to just care for people. Um, you know, those are I, I remember one example during COVID. I I told the neighbor um, down the road from us, I said, hey, man, I've, I've been praying for your business. Um, he's a business owner. And I, I don't think they they have gone to church. They don't follow God. Right. And he goes, oh, thank you so much. And his wife piped up and she goes, I knew there was a reason why your business is doing so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, But we need, to, we need to live out loud in our neighborhoods and just well, look for the opportunities that, that, where God can, can use us. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, I, I think we miss that. And, you know, in our neighborhoods today, you know, you drive in, open the garage mm-hmm. doors, you're coming up to the house, you drive in, you close the door. Yeah. And, um, and you just have very little contact. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that I've done in our neighborhood is I've intentionally tried to know the names of all the people mm-hmm. who live on our side of the street. Hmm. And, um, and and I'm almost there, you know, wow. from one place to the end of the block and, you know, know their their name, their wives' names. And, and when and, and, you know, when you walk down the street, hi, Bob. You yeah. Know, and and <clears throat> we, that leads to conversations. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a wonderful example. Well, um, tell us another story that help, it illustrates the multiplication and you talked about discipleship not only being following Jesus but multiplying yourself yeah so. yeah i think so many times it it comes through you know engaging people being a, a blessing um that's where the opportunities to to you know disciple people happens i think of one opportunity that we had there was a, a low income apartment complex and we just began to to pray for that you know going on prayer walks and then asking people, what are the greatest needs, you know, in your community? And over right. and over again, they said, you know, it's our children. We need something for the kids. Hmm. And so I gathered a group of people. I said, why don't we just throw a party for the kids? And so they, they helped. And we threw a carnival. We had face painting and all this, you know, stuff where we just blessed the, the community. And I remember as we were packing everything up, there was something inside of me. I was praying. I said, like, Lord, is there anything more? Because, you know, we've met physical needs, but we want to... You know, we want to have reach spiritual, you know, needs right, too. Right. And this young little girl came up to me. She was probably about 11 years old. And she goes, you know, there's, there's a woman in our community that we call the, the candy woman. And I go, really? Tell me about that. The what, the what woman? The, the candy woman. <laughs> you okay. Know, right. The candy lady. And she goes, and I go, Do you, is she a good person? She goes, oh, yeah. She knows everybody and she cares about everybody. And I said, well, hmm. can you bring me to her apartment? So she brought me to her apartment. I knocked on the door. This woman answered. And I said, you know, I, I really believe that God wants me to, to meet you. And that, you, you know, you obviously have a, a heart for this community. And we began to enter into a relationship. And I began to, to help her family discover, you know, through a Discovery Bible study. They ended up getting baptized. And then, you know, they began to invite their neighbors and do a discovery with them. And, you know, it's... It, it all started by just, you know, meeting needs. And I think, you know, again, that God is already at work and we just have to discover and, and look for those opportunities that he provides. Yeah, you, you several times, uh, David, you've mentioned the idea of a discovery, a Bible study. What is that? 
Yeah, for those who are listening, it's who might very not know. simple. It's reproducible. Um, there's just simple questions. Um, I could go through them really quickly, but it's it's really helping people um, hear from God themselves, and then be obedient to what He's saying, and and then sharing that with other people. And th- these are being used in places all over the world, like the movement that's happening in you know I- Iran and Iraq right now. There's a, there's a movement. It's happening by these women that are going out and leading these discovery Bible studies and it's profound and we're okay, seeing, well, how, how would people find out about what this is well they could I don't know if you can put my email address online um, but um, if you go to to Phoenix underground phx underground dot org um, you can okay. just uh, find my email and uh, you know email me and I will send you just you know how you can do a discovery Bible study with with people you know, that maybe um, you live with or work with. I think families, it's, it's incredible to begin to really just, in, you know, do discovery Bible studies with our families. But, yeah, we'll, we'll coach you and train you in how to do it. Thank um, you. Okay, David, you've got 30 seconds to give a message to those who are listening and watching. What is, what is that message? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I, you know, I think of this, this old cliche that says there's one life to live and it will soon be passed, but what's done for Christ will last. Amen. And I just really truly believe we got to invest our lives in things that are most important. We, we live in a world where there's so many distractions and we need to, to invest our, thing, our lives in things that are most important. And last time I checked, the, the only thing that's going to make it into eternity is, is people. David Inman, thank you for <laughs> joining us today. God bless you. Thank you. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.